0: Hello everyone, this is episode 763 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, February, March 11th, 2012, this 12th of March, 2021, Uh, I didn't check the date beforehand as you probably could have told, but uh, yeah, this is the Pixelated Sausage Podcast, it is episode 763 and I am your host, host, Uh, this is off to a great start. I'm your host, with the most worthless things to say. But my name is Mark Urginez, and today I'll be talking about Hey Sir, Sir Lovelot, Journey of the Broken Circle, Baobabs Mausoleum Groundhouse Edition, Grindhouse Edition, I can't speak at all. I think that's how you would pronounce it. Baobabs, Baobabs, Liberated, and then maybe a bit more of Hitman 3, Dirt 5, some Rogue Heroes, Ruins of Tassos, and a bit of news that has me very, very excited. But before I get to all that, I want to go over some changes that will be coming to this here podcast. So, I've been thinking about this for a while now, and I am going to tighten up this show and make it basically about the topics I throw up at the front. So, the games I just mentioned... That is what, hypothetically, this podcast would just be about. Whatever news I would touch upon as well if I saw anything that stuck out. And this week, there was definitely something that stuck out. But the rambly bits where I just go on about nonsense that nobody really cares about. Who cares about my eBay woes or my internet woes? No one, right? I don't even care about it at this point. It's just past the point of caring for anyone. So... The idea is, the plan is to make that content, <laughs> that worthless content, into Patreon-exclusive content. I always said I would never make exclusive content for Patreon, but what I always meant by that is that I would never make anything that I put a lot of time and effort and heart into. I would never put quote-unquote real content behind the paywall Nonsense, unedited, rambling, incoherent, I don't know why you would want to listen to it shit. Sure, that could be for Patreon exclusive. You can pay for that crap. But the, the regular shows and any kind of future shows I would want to create, that would never be behind the Patreon. And when I will start doing this, if I will actually end up coming through and doing it, I don't know, but the idea would be to have a weekly sausage dump. I had an old podcast called The Sausage Dump. Bring that back as a Patreon exclusive. And it would just be a week of whatever nonsense. It would be like, you know what really grinds my gears? That type of shit. And you could listen to that if you're a Patreon person. And then I was thinking on the off weeks for Attack the Backlog, I can give people updates about what to expect in the future, what games I'm playing. But mostly it would just be, here's some updates on Attack the Backlog and maybe some behind-the-scenes things of what's going on, little teasers of upcoming episodes. But yeah, that is the plan going forward. Take all the bullshit and fluff out of the Pixelated Sausage podcast, which people may like, but I think uh, plenty of people are more than happy to see that go and not have to deal with it so yeah that that is the plan i will hopefully stick to it and yeah with that said let's get on to what i've been playing almost we have one bit of news that needs to be talked about a little game that was revealed i think yesterday i'm recording this on thursday so i think it was yesterday wednesday and it is a little game called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. It's a classic beat em up from the publisher of Streets of Rage 4.emu and Tribute Games, the studio behind Mercenary Kings and a few other games, but I most remember them from Mercenary Kings, which was a solid game, a bit repetitive and grindy, but overall, at least mechanically, it was really sound, looked great, enjoyed the music a lot, so. I am excited. I have to remain cautiously optimistic because the last time I was excited about a Ninja Turtles games was the last Ninja Turtles game that came out, as far as I remember. That being Mutants in Manhattan, I think was the name of it, from Platinum Games. And all I wanted out of that was Transformers Devastation with a reskin. But it wasn't that. It was real bad and a huge disappointment. And then there was nothing heard of since then for the Turtles. But now we have this classic beat-em-up with great art. And the most promising thing for me from the trailer, we got a trailer that was about a minute and a half with maybe 30 seconds, if that, of gameplay. It was mostly just the original song, a new version of it, which some people are complaining about. I don't mind. I I never am that precious about stuff like that because we have the original version that we can listen to whenever we want. Would it be nice if that was in the game? Sure. But I'm not going to get butthurt about that. In the same way that people didn't like the new song that was introduced for the 2012 CGI Nickelodeon series. But I really like that version but there are people who are just stuck in their ways and don't want change at all. I'm very open to change in the same way that when a property is taken, whether it's a comic or whatever, and they make a movie out of it, say, and they change things in in the story. I don't mind that because I still have that original version that I can read or I can watch or I can do whatever with. And this new thing... Doesn't take away from that. Sometimes I don't like changes, of course, but you know, I'm still open to having them change my mind with their changes. But the game looks really great, and going back to the promising aspect of it, the thing that stood out to me immediately and made me really excited about what this game could be is that they they showed a shot of all four turtles running and all of them had different runs. They were all animated differently, and their runs suited their personalities. So as opposed to just having the four turtles be essentially palette swaps, you have the different colors and whatever their weapons are, of course, you have them with their own personality and character in this game, seemingly. I'm also assuming that we'll be able to play as other characters, April, Casey Jones, Splinter, Potentially more, you know, it'd be it'd be great if a little bunny came uh, to the party as well. But uh, we have really no details. Presumably, it's coming out this year, and if it is, if if they get it right, one hundred percent, it will be my game of the year, no question, and that will be wild. I can't think of the last time I ever had. I mean, I guess with other more prominent genres, it's not surprising, but. The thought of having back-to-back Game of the Years be beat-em-ups is wild. But this is this is a game that's made for me. I still want that... What is it now? we can't think of the name of this. Year, Rocksteady. I still want that Rocksteady Turtles game. I want that to be a thing at some point. That would be the absolute best thing I could ever hope for for a Turtles game. But this is the next best thing. And... I am just I don't want to get too excited about it. I don't want to get too hopeful for it because the 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 more hopeful I am, the more excited I get, the more chance there is of being disappointed. Or or more so than that, the the greater the disappointment can be. I don't want to be so disappointed by this. I, I want to enjoy it even if it's just okay. But I'm so thrilled for this. <laughs> The, the funny thing, too, is that about an hour after I first learned of the game's existence, I then realized, oh, this is, this is probably going to get a limited run games release or a signature edition release or both of them. And you know what? I'm going to end up buying all of them because I'm just a sucker for the Turtles. And that's going to suck ass because it's probably going to be super expensive, especially if there are multiple versions. Because there was a really nice signature sh- 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 signature edition of Streets of Rage 4, I believe, that had a nice pin set. But I didn't get any of those special editions for the game because I wasn't yet sure if I liked it. It was before I played the game. With the turtles, it doesn't matter because it's going to be turtle memorabilia and that that is all that matters. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see what that looks like when it comes to fruition i would be very surprised if we don't see anything like that it could happen of course but i fully expect to get those for this game and i will i will i will buy them all and it'll be the worst decision of my life it'll just be a stupid thing that i do and i can't help it i can't help it i'm not going to buy multiple copies yeah, I'm not going to buy the Switch version and the S 4 version, because of course there won't be an Xbox edition. Signature edition does do Xbox editions, I believe, but I think, I think with them it, it, it was because Streets of Rage 4 did get a regular retail release of just a standard edition, but then they included that, of course, along with a collector's edition and all the goodies that you would get with that. So I think that was why there was an Xbox version but I'm not 100% sure. I know that Limited Run still has never had an Xbox game and never will, I'm guessing, because if they could at this point, I'm sure they would have. If Xbox was like, you know, we have these things in place where you have to print this many copies, but people love your service. We want to get in on it. We will make an exception for you. That hasn't happened Or either Limited Run doesn't care. I don't know what's going on with that as I hit the mic. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is the best news to happen in 2021. It is better than all the news of people getting vaccinated. That's a lie. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. We need to get vaccinated. Everyone. Hopefully my dad will be able to get vaccinated this weekend. Fingers crossed. He got an appointment at the United Center. But then he got an email changing his appointment time and then another email saying that his original email or the second email to just disregard that. So I don't know what's happening there. Uh, and they, they changed like the number of zip codes through. it He's going to go there with his receipt and hopefully it'll all work out. And then he'll be able to schedule a second appointment as well. And I will... Be able to breathe a pretty big sigh of relief, because that's very important for me. As my father is is less than a month away from turning seventy-four, don't want him getting this when it's so close to, you know, getting that vaccine. And and uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be good. But on to what I've been playing. So before I get to the new stuff, because the old stuff won't take long to get through. Hitman Three. I forgot to mention this last week, but I'm still very much loving that game, and I'm playing more of it now, but the only reason why I really want to bring it up is that the issue I had since launch was resolved last week, I think it was on Monday or so, but the Lost Mastery I had for those two levels, Dartmouth and what is the first one? Isn't it Dubai? Is it? It's somewhere, whatever. The one on the the, the one that you just gotta dive into. But uh that was finally resolved. Got all my XP for that, my mastery back for that, and everything is good. I, I got through the elusive target, which was a rehash of one from Hitman Two, I believe. Did a few escalations and I'm just really loving my time with that game. I, I would like to be able to dive deeper into it in the future. Speaking of that I may start streaming sometime soon because that whole AT&T thing, which I you know, won't be talking about ever again on this podcast. I'll be leaving it for that sausage jump grab. But since I'm not doing that with this episode, uh-huh, uh, I, after dealing with them frustratingly so for the past two weeks and just getting a bunch of bullshit and going round and circle after circle after circle and being told, it changed my plan. I mean told that my speeds would be increased and it would happen in an hour or two after this discussion or after this discussion. And it never coming to fruition. The last person I talked to, who was the supervisor of the supervisor of the supervisor of the person I was talking to, they finally said, Actually, you have the highest speed you can currently have. And it was just like, Okay, you lied to me so many times, and ultimately you could have just told me this right off the bat and I probably would have just stayed, because I wouldn't have been so disrespected by them through all this bullshit that they put me through. And so I'm going to be transferring to Xfinity, which is pretty much the only option I have. RCN does cover Chicago, but I live in what I like to call is technically Chicago, but not really Chicago. My address is Chicago, but if if you told someone... That you lived in Chicago, or if I told someone I lived in Chicago, they would never ever think of where I actually live as being Chicago. It is a very not it's not rural, but it's just it's not it's just a bunch of single family homes, no two flats, three flats, definitely not skyscrapers or an S not downtown or anything like that. So yeah. Full of driveways. We got a bunch of driveways here. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be setting up that later after I finish recording this episode. And I will be going from 24 down, which is what I get with AT&T, and which is the, the best I can get with them, to, and I'm I'm just going to do this for the first year, and, and we'll see about what I decide to do after that promo period is over, if I keep this at the higher cost. But I'm going to do the, the full gig. I'm going to... I was going to say I'm going to take the, take it in the chin. I'm going to go with the fastest speed available. I, I believe they have two gigs as well, but that's for like businesses and costs $300 a month. And I don't need that at all, but I'm going with the gig. Specifically, I don't need that fast of a speed uh, for downloads, but I do. I, it's not that I need it, but it would be much nicer to have faster upload speeds and with a gig, you get 35 up. With the one lower, which is 800, up to 800, but I think it would be 600 for me, you get 15 to 20. And then the one below that is 10 to 20. And then everything below that, I think, is 5. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how this goes. And if I'm really liking it, I, I will eat the additional cost. But even if I dropped it down to where it was the equivalent to my speeds with AT&T, I could still get four or eight times my speed at the same amount I'm paying currently. The one thing I'm not changing, I'm also switching my home phone with them, my landline. And I was going to do the cable thing too and get rid of AT&T now, but AT&T now is a much better deal than I realized because while they have jumped up the price of what I'm currently playing, and I have this introductory package, which they don't offer anymore. They they are going from sixty to seventy dollars, and then there's like five dollars tax or whatever. I, I get with that, and I only I only pay for that because my father uses it a lot, and it comes with marquee, so he can watch the Cubs game. I, I can watch the, the Blackhawks games, which is good for me, but mostly it's for him, and. What I I didn't realize you don't pay with that for whatever reason, maybe it's because it's a strictly online cable service and the location is based on where you are when you're watching. I'm not exactly sure. But with cable from Xfinity, and I'm assuming any other cable provider, on top of the cost of the service, which their middle one is like $70 a month, And so it would be exactly the same as the one I'm currently paying for with AT&T. They have on top of that regional TV fee and the regional sports fee. And those combined are roughly $30 extra. When I saw that, I was like, okay, not doing that, not bundling that in this bunch. So I'm just going to get the voice in the internet. So, Yeah. See see all this nonsense that you really don't care about because it affects no one except me? You'll never have to hear that ever again. I just wanted to send you off with one last piece of nonsense. (sighs) But Hitman 3 is great. I love that game so much. It is so pretty too. I, I love its clean aesthetic a lot. But then Dirt 5, I mentioned last week, but then I got off on a tangent about whatever and didn't talk about my... Time playing the game. I have since beat it, and so much so that I got to the end of the story mode through one of the branching paths and did the final few races. I got the achievements, which like three percent of people have gotten. And yeah, it's a it's a fun little game. I played it all on the Xbox One X as well. And the only thing that I noticed different because I think visually Dirt 5 does not look that great and I am incapable of running at 60 frames per second or, well, 120 frames per second. 60 I can do. I'm assuming it was 60 on there. I don't know. It seemed fine. <laughs> but I was also further away from the TV than I usually am. But the loading times are definitely the most notable thing. And that seems to be the case with racing games in general. And I'm assuming, not knowing anything about the way they're all built. I'm assuming it's just that they are taking that loading time to render the track and all that jazz so that it'll be fine when you are actually racing. But I enjoy that game. The only races I don't like are the I don't I don't even know what it is. It's like this really small squeezed car that's like very thin and has this huge-ass spoiler on it. And in those races, you're just racing around in a circle, basically, on a small track. I, There must be a trick to the way those handle or something. Because I put on the gas, and then it just wants to go to the fucking left. It doesn't want to ever go straight. I don't know how to control those things. I put it on very easy and all the things. that I'm still fucking having a nightmare with that thing. I don't know why that car specifically... Is such a nightmare to to handle. I could not get even close to getting to the second to last place. I was in last place the entire time, and I was just like, "Fuck this, I'm done with this." But Dirt Five is a a, a fun little game. It's a it's a good racer, solid racer. Onrush is better. I like it so much more. But Dirt Five was a a a good brainless racer. Maybe I'll mess around with the the creative stuff after the fact, but I don't remember when I originally checked it out, being impressed by much of what I saw. Then Rogue Heroes, Ruins of Tassos. Continuing to play that. Really, really like it. I just wanted to mention it to remind people that it is a great game. Legend of Zelda meets Rogue Legacy with a hint of Spelunky in the dungeon bits where you can come across traps and there will be snakes hidden in barrels and pots and stuff like that. And it just takes a lot of elements from these similar-minded games, puts them all together in what is a really delightful game. You have this town-building aspect that you do with the gems. You go to the craft guy, like I said last week, and you create stores that will show up. You create houses that will bring more people in. You can get a farm for your house that you can then plant plants in and watch them grow. I, I love... It's so much, and it it does a great job of making you want to keep going and keep going. I was playing it earlier today when I was on my exercise bike, and when I got done with that, when I did my, my five miles, I stopped biking, but I kept playing for another 10 or 15 minutes. I was just like, one more room, one more room. Very, very good game. Very good. I hope it comes to other platforms, even though it's currently on the the best platform for it, which is the Switch, and of course PC as well, but it is the perfect, or it is a perfect Switch game. It is a a game that is perfect for the Switch, but it would be great if it was on Xbox and PlayStation as well. Man, it would be an amazing Game Pass game, since it has online multiplayer co-op it would be so good, uh, but yeah, can't recommend that game highly enough, my current favorite game of the year, I checked my list the only game on there prior to last week was Olia, so I wasn't forgetting some magical, mystical second game, so as it stands right now, my games of the year contenders, or just the games that have stood out for me number one, Rogue Heroes Ruins of Tassos, number two, Loop Hero number three, Oh, yeah. And let's finally get on to what I've been playing. Jesus. See, next week, you won't have to go through all that bullshit. I mean, you know, I, I this wasn't bullshit. I was talking about games here. But, you know, there's some bullshit still in there. Anywho, Pacer is Wipeout without being Wipeout. Which is to say it is Wipeout without the name. It controls like Wipeout, it looks like Wipeout feels like Wipeout and it's a pretty good impression but it is very much so an impression of Wipeout, it is not as good as Wipeout but since we're not getting a new Wipeout game anytime soon and you can't get Wipeout on any platform other than Playstation if you are on Xbox A, like where I am and where I played Pacer then this is pretty much the best option I know there are a few other ones there's like a alleviator or something I don't know but I know there are other similar games and there's that one on Switch that did it come to other platforms eventually I think it was from the studio that did the tourist but I can't remember the name of it. Anywho Pacer controls just like wipeout and if you don't know what wipeout is it's a futuristic racer where you're going at crazy speeds over crazy tracks with some real sharp turns and these roller coaster-like highs and lows that are always exciting to ride on. And that's what Pacer is. The The way controls is that you have your gas and boost on the face buttons. Uh, with Xbox, it's the A to accelerate for gas and X is your boost. And then... With sharp turns, the way you you do those and do them real smoothly is that, yes, you're turning at the same time with your analog stick, you're staring, but you use the triggers to help with the sharp turns. So if you have a sharp right turn, you'll pull the right trigger to help you get around there really quickly without losing much speed at all. It, It takes some time to master that or at least get competent at that so you're not overdoing it or underdoing it and running into the wall uh, on either side. But once you get the hang of the way it all works, it feels really good. It's a pretty simple, intuitive control scheme. You know, there's not much to it. And then the bumpers are used for your left and right weapon. So the interesting thing about pacer, uh, before I get to that, like I said, it is very much a little like wipe up, but just not as good visually. It's solid. I think the environments look pretty good, but the the vehicles aren't the best. I believe there are six to choose from, and then you can customize them in a handful of ways. You can change the color of them, the color of the exhaust. You can add some neon stripes to the side. It, depending on the style, you can change the hood, add a spoiler, etc. So you can change them in a decent amount of ways so that they will look unique. However, some of them just look ugly regardless of what you do to them. So that is a bit of a disappointment, the fact that the, the vehicles don't look that great. There are only two perspectives, either first person or third person. There are no like in-between or more pulled-away perspectives or anything like that. But the way weapons work is that Unlike Wipeout where you're going around and picking up a specific weapon that you use, you craft loadouts. So there were, there, were, there are pre-made loadouts and there are also pre-made loadouts for performance packages. So you can set up a package that increases your acceleration and speed, maybe maybe you lose control or that goes down a little bit, etc. and you can when you are starting any race, pick whatever performance pack you want. And then your weapon pack. There are, there are also pre-made weapon packs, but you can go through this list of various weapons, and then you can select them and give each of them two mods per weapon. So you can pick a homing missile that does well I don't I don't even remember what the mods do exactly, but one of my favorite or go-to ones was a like pulse beam that pushed cars away into 360 degree space. I found that to be very effective, but the the way it works uh, with that system in place is that when you are are riding uh, on the tracks, there will be three things to look out on the track. You'll have the little boost strips, of course, that are blue, and you you hit those, you'll get boosted for a little bit. There are then the purple pickups, which are for your shield, and then like an orangey yellow pickup, which is your weapon. And those aren't unique weapons or anything. That is just basically giving you one piece of ammo for either weapon. It's not uh, specific to either one of the weapons. It's just here's a piece of ammo that you can use with either weapon. And you just choose which one you want to use by hitting either the left bumper or the right bumper. I really like this system a lot. I think it adds a nice bit of strategy and it helps to let you find the playstyle that suits you, the weapons that suits you, the performance pack that suits you, so that you can craft the perfect vehicle for you, which I think is what they're, they're going for with the limited base models of the vehicles, but giving you all these customization options. So you are able to craft the ideal car for you uh, in terms of the way it looks, the way it feels, and the weapons it has at its hand. So, yeah. I played a a fair amount of it, and I really liked it. It feels good, which is one of the most important things. It it feels very much so like Wipeout. It has that speed. It gets the speed right. I think the environments, some of them are not the best, but some of the environments look pretty good. Like I said, I'm not fan of all of the vehicles uh, of what limited options are there but uh, I I definitely think it's worth checking out if you're a fan of Wipeout and you want a game like Wipeout and you don't have a Playstation if you have a Playstation you can always play the Omega Edition But maybe you've already played enough of that and you're sick of that and you play those games on the original platforms as well and you just want something new and fresh Pacer is a great option for any fan of wipeout or fast-paced racers. So yeah, definitely check that out. Then, Sir Lovelot, I hate—not really, but I hate the the name because I want to call it Sir Love a Lot because that's what he does. He loves a lot. That is that is this is a platformer where you're gonna end up dying a lot, and the whole goal is to reach the princess in her tower. So it's basically, what is her name? What is the Tangled (laughs) princess's name? I can only think of her as Tangled now because I love that movie so much. Rapunzel. You're basically, they're not all Rapunzel, but they are Rapunzel because you're climbing up their hair to get to them. So there there are a lot of Rapunzels in this game. But what you're doing is going through this level. You'll go from multiple screens and collecting. In the, the first area, you're collecting a what is it? Was it a it's not a pillow, it's a flower, a little like white daisy for her. And you have to get that before she'll accept you. And when you do that, you go back to her, you give her a flower, you get some lovin', and then the next level, you see that you broke her heart because you're a piece of shit who just loves a lot. And Then you go to another princess. And it just works that way over and over and over again. You get to the next area, and now you have to get a ring and a flower. And you have to worry about traps, monsters, spinning blades, etc. The thing that is the most interesting aspect about this game, one, the, the way it works is that they have certain goals for you for each level. Like, finish it within this amount of time or I don't I don't know if that is actually a goal but it's it's collecting these various things there are a few hidden objects which are easy to find because basically if there's a big block of nothing that is just like ground or whatever that's a hidden space you just need to find where the entrance is but the they also count the number of deaths per level and you have essentially like a par number so if you get Uh, the amount of deaths that they list or less, then you're good for for that bonus or whatever. But the thing that is super interesting about this game is that, one, it feels really good. I I think, uh, not really good. It's solid. The double jump can be a little finicky or just not as high as I would like especially when I am shooting at enemies because you're this like knight who can shoot magic out of you for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it's mentioned in a story thing or something. But the the double jump does feel like it's barely a double jump. If you just want to jump straight up and shoot at an enemy that's a little bit higher than your initial jump, the, the, the knight can also be a little sticky because you can grab on the ledges and stuff like that. So that that can be frustrating but overall it feels pretty good. But the interesting thing about this game that I can't think of being the case in any other game of this ilk that I play these these kind of I don't even, I don't want to say twitch-based platformers but like a super meatball where you're going to die a lot whatever you want to call those. What do they call those? Die the of platforms? <laughs> That's not what they call them. There's some stupid name. That they made that I think had Meat Boy in it or something. Splatformer? Splatformer. That's it. It's a splatformer. But the thing is, the interesting thing, so I can just keep telling you about how there's an interesting thing and never talk about it. The interesting thing is that when you are making your way through a level and say you kill an enemy or, or collect this collectible, which is what you do with collectibles, you collect them. But say you do these few things and then you die. You will restart at the beginning of that level, but any enemy you killed, any collectible you have already obtained, you will still have them. You don't have to re-kill them. They will be gone for good. So in some cases, there will be situations where an enemy is in your way and maybe like with the end of the first area, you have a large boulder that is chasing you but then you get to this point where there are so many enemies in your way that you can't get past them or you can't kill them and get past them within the time allotted before that boulder smashes you. When you have your second run, those enemies will not be there anymore. And in some ways, they, they play upon this so that you have to kill yourself to reset after doing something or collecting an object or flipping the switch or whatever. And I find that, I don't want to say interesting again, but it's it's unique. It helps make the game stand out in some ways. It sort of feels like it makes it easier, but it also makes it accessible. It's a a very interesting. God damn it. I don't know, man. I'm stuck on that word now. You know why I'm stuck on that word? Watched too much Digital Foundry this morning. And by too much, I mean I watched one episode of the whatever. I watched the Crash 4 video. And John Linneman, who's a great guy. Super knowledgeable. He definitely loves that word. And I'm just... I got it on my mind now. Everything's interesting. But this is interesting. It's it's different. It's unique. And yeah. Sir Lovelot is worth checking out. The only real negative outside of some of the finicky control things is that I don't know if I'm not I'm not even gonna say it never mind because I'm not sure if it's this game or a different game but then journey of the broken circle is another platformer but it's way lighter and simpler and easier the closest comparison is Thomas was alone I could not stop thinking about Thomas was alone while I was playing journey of the broken circle because this is where you're playing as a circle. (laughs) You're playing as a circle. A broken circle. It's like Thomas Alone was looking for his buddies and he was alone. And this circle is looking for this little missing piece of him. It's basically a little pie piece. You look like Pac-Man. Except you're not yellow. However, there is like this winter area right in the beginning where you're going through like snowish bits. So, it is a bit of a cold play. Get it? Yellow? It was all yellow. Anywho, you are going through this world where you don't have to worry about any twitchy jumps or real difficulty at all. You will come across talking trees and other inhabitants of this world along with these other pieces that aren't quite the right piece or or your missing piece exactly that you can join with to help you along your way. So the first one you find allows you to stick to walls, which then lets you reach areas you wouldn't be able to otherwise. I don't want to talk too much about the story because I think it is done pretty well. The writing is good. The story is simple, but is coming across strong because of the way the gameplay and story complement each other and yeah it's it's worth checking out if you want something that is more story driven than gameplay driven it is not a platformer that will have you feeling really good about yourself for making that amazing jump there's none of that in journey of the broken circle it is 100 percent story focused then baobab's mausoleum grindhouse edition is an adventure game That messes around with perspective and different types of gameplay. And I really didn't care for it. Uh, Pixel art is okay. uh, Especially when you get thrown into it from a first person perspective. It looks kind of interesting then. Sort of similar to Pixel Ripped. But you're going around the world interacting with objects, you find something that allows you to interact with this person, and then that will allow you to open up this area so that you can get this object, so you can move on to there. Very standard adventure type stuff. Occasionally, they'll throw you in a turn-based classic RPG type of battle, which is very straightforward and requires no skill or thought or strategy of any kind. Then you will be thrown into a first person area where you play hide-and-go-seek, which is not fun at all. And the the writing isn't that great. And I just didn't care about being in that world. Or the story that was being told. Or the gameplay. I was just kind of bored and a little bit annoyed while I was playing it. So yeah. Can recommend that. And then Liberated has a really cool setup. In that it's structured like a comic book. And I will always be a sucker for any game that is structured like a comic book. Ever since Comic Zone which I love despite that game's many issues with difficulty specifically. Both liberated, the problem is that while it looks really nice, I love the aesthetic and the way the comic book pages come to life and all that. When you're actually playing it, it's not that fun. And it doesn't help that the story is this police state dystopian thing that is set just a wee bit in the future. And it's not interesting at all. I did not give a shit about these characters the time I put into it. But more so than that, the problem is the gameplay consists of mostly walking from the left to the right. And occasionally you'll shoot. You aim with the right analog stick. I'm playing this on Switch. And you aim with the the right analog stick and then you shoot. But the shooting does not feel that responsive or as accurate as I would like it to be. And when you're doing a bit of platforming, it doesn't feel that great. It just is a a bit rough around the edges overall. And since the story wasn't grabbing me, I found no real reason to keep playing after the first hour and a half or so. I was pretty done with it. There are also quick time events occasionally that are not exciting and really Simple, but uh, yeah, that, that is Liberated, which looks really good, but sadly doesn't play as well as it looks. Then, the last game I played that I forgot to mention on the top of the show and just realized it because I played it literally right before I started recording, and I, I'm I know why I forgot to mention it, but it is Flow Weaver, a VR game that is at the very least available on Oculus. I was playing on the Oculus Quest. I don't know the exact release date. I think it should be out relatively soon. Maybe it's already out by the time you're listening to this. But it is a seated VR game where you are... I'm assuming this woman who was talking in my head was me talking to myself. And what makes it cool is that it is this puzzle game where you can travel between different dimensions in order to solve puzzles. So maybe an object you need for the current room you're in, is in a different dimension. So you travel to that dimension, get that object, and then bring it back to you into the other dimension. Very cool, right? However, it's incredibly talky, at least up front, which I was not a fan of. I didn't give a shit about this story with these people talking, and I just wanted to interact with this environment. And at one point, the the woman screamed at the top of her lungs, and it was horrible. I was screaming at her for screaming at me because it was really loud and not so much startling. It just hurt my ears. I was really taken aback when she just screamed in my ears. It was very unpleasant. But as they continued talking and talking and talking, I'm like, I don't care. Just please stop talking and let me go on with the puzzle bits. But the real problem is that, one, it's kind of buggy. It's finicky. It's finicky and more so than that it's just fucking boring and yeah i i think there is a place for seated vr experiences for sure like wipeout for example is a seated experience which is very cool but with this game the entire time I was playing it i kept thinking why is this a vr game why am i in vr i'm just sitting here and for the majority of the time at least in the very opening bits i'm just seeing characters talk to me this one ghoul or whatever was talking to me or I'm just sitting in this room unable to interact with anything as I'm listening to this woman talk in my head because I can't do anything until she shuts up and it was just such a boring boring game and I couldn't wait to get the headset off my head when I got to a point where I'm like I don't even know what I'm supposed to do anymore I interacted with these few things though the few things I couldn't interact with but I didn't know what I was supposed to do and didn't care enough to continue or to figure it out. I was just like, okay, that's telling. I'm done with this game. Goodbye. It's probably the VR game I've enjoyed the least in my experience with VR, both PSVR and the Quest. I was just so unbelievably bored. But to end on that high note, that is it. And that is all, once again. I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and Unamazingly Baca, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also check out videos over at youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage, including the video for Attack the Backlog, which I highly recommend watching over listening to the show by itself. It is a much better watch than listen if i do say so myself and then you can go back to the site if you'd like to check out the art i make and if you see something you like you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy and if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way as always thank you for listening i hope you enjoy this here episode and i hope you have a wonderful wonderful rest of your day bye to to I hope you have a lovely weekend bye bye.